0: Welcome to the Rambling Writers Podcast, where we're going to be talking about writing, reading, religion, writing tips, and whatever other impolite topic we can dream up. I'm Josh Davis, and this is my partner for the day, R.F. Dunham. And we are the the Rambling Rambling Writers. Writers.
1: Today, we'll be discussing the most mediocre debut novel that either of us has ever read. We'll be giving some life-saving advice for new writers in the cutthroat world of noveling, and we will catch you up to date with a discussion of current events in politics, religion, and the world at large with a special emphasis on how they impact writers.
0: How are you today, Josh? I'm okay, because things are good, but they're confusing at the same time.
1: Well, that's confusing.
0: Exactly. Um, On the one hand, I'm fighting with my new company email, and on the other, I'm going out of town for the day, for a couple of days here with the family to recharge the old batteries and, you know, come back strong as ever next week. So we'll see what happens with that and have some fun.
1: So the vacation is confusing and the email is good, right?
0: No, no, backwards. The email is, is causing me serious migraines and intestinal problems.
1: What's wrong with your email? Email is simple. You type it in, you push send, it goes. Like, what's your problem?
0: Well, the problem is that my wife and I started a company four months ago, and I we started it by, starting by getting a bank account, and then we created a, a website, and it's davispublishingco.com, and... I've always believed that it's more professional to have a custom domain email, so my email is jdavis at because it looks better than, say, joshdavis at gmail.com. Well, I've been fighting with that, trying to get hosting and whatever else, I didn't realize that the Google Apps was not free, which really irritated me a lot. So, I've been trying to get that set up and whatever else, I'm just glad to be going out of town for a couple days.
1: Don't think about the email.
0: Exactly. There is it. no
1: email. There is only the f- beach.
0: <laughs> well, no, the water park.
1: There's no beach. There is only <laughs> the water, the water park. park
0: and Bass Pro Shops. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's, that's the key selling point to me is Bass Pro Shops. I mean, you know, I know you don't have the outdoorsy kind of guy like I am, but you know,
1: I'm outdoorsy. I'm just not a redneck.
0: <laughs> you know what? <laughs> oh boy. I
1: just I just go for go for hikes in the mountains instead of like, you know, fishing, plucking innocent creatures from their habitat. No, I don't have any problem with fishing. I'm not really gonna knock you on that one.
0: Well, the question is, do you eat the fish? Occasionally. Okay, that's okay then. <laughs> You're an honorary redneck for the day. Okay. <laughs> that's words you never expected to hear before in your life, did you? Nope. Nope. Definitely <laughs> not. Oh, boy. Well, guys, what we're going to be talking about today, obviously, this is our first ever podcast for the Rambling Writers. Um,
1: Maybe we should introduce
0: ourselves. Yeah, that's a A little a great bit idea. more
1: than just names before we go into the Moj, other stuff we got planned.
0: You, you're the man with the book on the market, so why don't you okay.
1: start? I'm RF Dunham. Like I said, I've got um, an alternate history novel, The Other Side of Hope, that just came out a couple months ago. You can find that on Amazon. If you go to Amazon and search for The Other Side of Hope or RF Dunham, either one. That'll be the first one that pops up there. Um, You can also find out more about me at DunhamWriter.com. That's D-U-N-H-A-M-Writer.com. And there's all kinds of fun stuff on my website. I'm planning to get a free story up on it soon. Hopefully that's actually going to be there later today. And you can also um, subscribe to get free stories delivered chapter by chapter right to your email inbox and there's a prequel for my novel that's going to be sent out today, so jump on that, go sign up, and you can get it. Well, hold on, time travel. By the time you're actually hearing this, it'll probably be after today, but...
0: Like we said, we ramble, so <laughs> just deal with it. It's okay. So, hold on, time out. You're doing a prequel to the novel you've already written. Yes. Tell us a little bit about the novel before I get into my introduction Okay, myself.
1: the novel, like I said, it's alternate history. It's set in a world in which Islam and Christianity have switched places. mm mm-hmm. So Islam is the more dominant religious and political economic force, whereas Christianity is a little more maligned and oppressed, Mm -hmm. more likely to generate violent extremists. And we just kind of go from there with a plot line that's very similar to September 11th, invasion of Afghanistan in the real world, except it's all in the slipped-around backwards world. Um, The story that I'm starting to release through email is going to be goes all the way back to the point of divergence, the thing in history that was changed to make that new world possible.
0: So the point of divergence is a thing that's very common. It's kind of the selling point of alternate history, right? It's, you have to go back to that one point that changes the entire storyline. Yeah. So basically, in your story, that point didn't, it, it, it took place, it happened. But in the real world, it didn't happen the way it is in your story, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay.
1: So we'll go back and explore the the details of that Divergence, which goes all the way back to 732 A.D. with the Battle of Tours. You can Wikipedia that and learn the real history and then sign up for the email and start reading the alternate history. And that's
0: free, right? Totally free. Yeah, I, I, I and like, I think I was like the second person to sign up on your list, so I'm, I've been anxiously waiting that. Something like that. It's so, coming soon. Awesomeness. So I'm, what are you doing? Well, I, uh, a little bit of background on myself. I've been writing pretty much my entire life I mean and, and preschool I got the award at the at the preschool graduation banquet that I was the best explainer because I've always told stories um, I've won awards for poetry short stories I've uh, I'm also a publisher uh, David like I said Davis Publishing Company uh, my hometown or our hometown actually of yeah. Appomattox, Virginia um, if you want to look up some inf- interesting history facts look up Appomattox, Virginia on Wikipedia that's a lot of fun um and so, besides that, I've also got a novel in the works uh, called Stockholm Syndrome, the working title. Uh haven't even got it fully outlined yet, so we'll see what happens with that. I'm hoping to get that released in the next couple months here. i uh, got a narrative nonfiction story in the works. Uh, it's a completely true story. Everything I say in the book will be true, but it's going to read like a novel, which I'm really excited about playing with that genre. I've never worked with it before. Um, and I've also got uh, a... Talk, we mentioned when we talked about religion well several years ago I had my, my blog that I had for uh, it was layman's theology where we did theology for layman by layman in layman's terms um, and I took some old blog posts on the book of Romans and I'll be releasing that in the next couple of weeks once I get a cover for it so that's going to be in print and uh, ebook formats wherever fine ebooks are sold as well as uh, our company website so um, and we're both ghost writers so we can talk about the spookiness of being a ghost yeah. if you want but you know, essentially we write other people's works and they put their name on it. In reality, we did it all. James Patterson, I'm looking at you.
1: And we would tell you more, but then we'd have to kill you. Because,
0: because we'd be breaching now... contract. It's kind of against the law. So, uh, I, we, we did mention the most mediocre debut novel that either of us has ever read.
1: Yeah, and I was really excited about it when I saw it. I think I found it on Twitter as a promotional kind of thing. And a free novel, you know, usually you scroll past all those things in your Twitter. There's so many book promotions in Twitter that it's not even worth looking at 99% of them.
0: Well, it's one of the things I I said on on Twitter not too long ago. And by the way, we're both on Twitter. He's Dunham Writer, at Dunham Writer. I'm at Josh Davis Writer. Um, My name's the easier one to spell, but he's already spelled his out for you, so you're good. But it's, it's one of the rants I went on not too long ago was that, you know, authors go on Twitter all the time and are promoting their stuff constantly. Content, content. I wrote this. Check out my book. And it's so annoying. Why can't... I mean, Twitter is a great platform for us to interact with people who read, you know. That's, you know, to interact with folks. That's that's the point. But, you know, like you say, we we usually scroll past them. So what? So this one caught
1: my eye because the subtitle (coughs) was a... How was it? A novel of the Syrian conflict, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. And, you know, I'm really into... The Muslim world, like the, this book that I've written in mm. the, the the prequels that all deals with the interaction of Islam and Christianity, and that's something that's really fascinating to me. I pay attention to what's going on in that world. It's so the idea of a novel set in this mess that is the Syrian conflict. was really interesting to me. It's, it's very
0: messy over there.
1: Yeah, it is. So it's great potential for so many stories. And then, oh, great, I'm going to get in to the perspective of a, a Syrian person on the ground, see what it's like through their eyes kind of deal, and it's going to be a really exciting book.
0: Well, it's kind of hard to do that, because the guy who wrote the book is actually a U.S. Navy uh, officer, isn't he?
1: Yeah, and that maybe should have been a little bit of a warning to me I thought about that later. Not that I'm not trying to say anything bad about the military, U.S. Navy at all, but that maybe should have been a little bit of a clue that it's not... What you were expecting. Yeah, it's not going to be coming from... Not going to resonate, perhaps, as much as I might want it to with their perspective Mm -hmm. of a very open-minded... Jesus follower who's interested in Islam and is a pacifist. So then, reading a book written by a military guy about Syria. Mm. Maybe I should have realized it wasn't exactly. Well, what I mean, I was and, and, and
0: the crazy thing is, is Todd Tavolazzi or Tavolazzi or it was, it was it was an Italian name. But the thing about uh, Todd, I'm just gonna call him Todd. He was, like I said, he was an, a U.S. Navy uh, officer and. You know, it's it's you, No matter, we're always going to look at our stories with the, from from our perspective. We're never going to be able to fully put on the, the, the the lens of what we're writing about. But it really excited me when you told me about it because I was like, okay, I, I want to read this. This sounds like an interesting story. And then I get into it, and it's nothing like what we expected. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you expect to see it from the eyes of a Syrian, and you see it. The entire book is told from the perspective of an American, and that. That immediately turned me off, I'll be honest.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was even kind of thrown off when it first got into the book. The book has a really good, exciting start. There's two of the main oh, characters are being chased through, I think it's nighttime, and mm-hmm. chased through the desert in Syria at night, getting shot at. And it's like, oh, okay, this is pretty good. And it, it threw me right away when the first time they said the main character's name of Angus. And I was like, that's, Angus not, Khan. A, yeah, I was like, that's not an Arabic name. And I, I was actually a little bit off balance for a little bit because I was mm. just expecting... Syrian Arabic characters, and one of them was because it's his his brother-in-law who's mm-hmm. who's a Lebanese, Angus's brother-in-law, mm-hmm. and then it took me a little bit to catch up. To like, oh, this guy's an American journalist. journalist with lots of experience in the Middle East, who but somehow now still doesn't speak Arabic very well. That that threw me off too. It was a random yeah. linguistic thing. He's still well, like,
0: he was he was married to a Lebanese woman. He's married to a Lebanese woman, and, and, and he was so years. sad when she died, and. You know, then he still can't speak uh, uh, Arabic, and yeah. he, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't doesn't add up.
1: Like he, the, the, Todd, the author, does a good job of making it making giving you the experience through Angus's eyes of someone who can't speak the language or can just speak a little bit have to pick up a word here and there. Mm-hmm. And he helps you, like, okay, he's kind of following the conversation, like that. That was all good, except that it just didn't make sense to me that Angus didn't know the language even his situation and background, I was like, "Oh, this guy's going to be fluent in Arabic." Yeah, I mean, do not even have a
0: he, he, he lived in uh, the capital city of Lebanon for twelve years, I think it was. So, you know, while he was married to his wife, and and they were they were living in Lebanon, mm-hmm. and you would think that if you live, you know, I mean, I, I, we had the same Spanish teacher in eighth grade, so you know, <laughs> she told us about how just to give you a little bit of background on you know more of how we've known each other, but. This this woman she lived in Spain for eight years and she actually took a citizenship test that is required of all Spanish like actual Spain Spanish citizens and she like only like ninety like ninety eight percent of people even natural born Spanish folks p- failed this test and she passed it so that she she, and she immersed herself in that culture and she always told us you know immersing yourself in that culture makes it easier to learn a language. So if you live in Lebanon for 12 years, you would expect to pick up more than just a word here and there.
1: Yeah. But anyway, so, that's kind of a minor quibble. Yeah. Um,
0: well, one of the, what, w- makes,
1: what makes the novel so mediocre?
0: Well, the, the thing that I, that I found so put, off-putting to me was that Todd, the author, used a, a very, very heavy hand uh, in his foreshadowing. And then he it's like he, he he threw this out there. He threw this bone to me. Okay, there's something to look forward to. There's something coming. And the foreshadowing's there. It's boom, it's coming. You know it's coming. And it was very heavy, and I expected this thing to happen, and then it never did.
1: And yet you were complaining about how heavy the foreshadowing... was yes. We talked about this before we turned the microphone on, that... You would have been angry if this thing had happened because, because it, was it was foreshadowed so, so heavily. But then you are angry that it didn't happen because, because it, it, it was foreshadowed so heavily. <laughs> exactly. Honestly. So, free writing tip right there. Heavy foreshadowing makes readers mad no matter what you do with it.
0: Exactly. I mean, the best way to foreshadow anything is is lightly. It's, it's almost like breadcrumbs throughout your throughout your papers. You know, throughout the pages. You don't want to be leading somebody to think, "Hey, character X is gonna die," and then. Character X doesn't die, but at the same time, if Character X dies, I'm like, ah, I knew that from page two. So, breadcrumbs, not the whole loaf. Yeah. So, and the other, the other, the other thing I have, I've spent a lot of time recently. Uh, you, you obviously know one of my one of my personal mottos in writing, because I've been doing it for so long, has always been to never stop learning, and to never stop trying to improve at my craft. Because this, it's not just my livelihood; it's not just what I do for fun, but it's it's my art and i i want to constantly improve at cuz i feel like once i stop improving my skills are going to stagnate they're going to die um and I, I recently read a book on structuring novels and you know it was it was, it was he did a very good job of utilizing the three act structure where he mm-hmm. he he hooked me very early on which i was very impressed with um that's probably the best thing i can say about it though um at 25% into the story, you usually want your first plot point to be hitting about that time, but it needs to make sense in the, in the in the way you've already worked, written your story. Getting captured by ISIS when the entire previous one quarter of the book has been about getting artifacts and lining up trucks and stuff—that's what you want to see. You want to you you, you want to either see something, you know, happening where he's getting his goal and moving progressing forward in his plan, or you know, he's working towards his goal. I, I guess you could say he did. Cause he, he got captured by ISIS when he had to, after he got captured by the military. Mm-hmm. But throwing ISIS in there didn't make any sense to me at all. And we, I, I wasn't sure who the, who the antagonist was. I wasn't sure who the bad guy was. Who 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 Angus was fighting against. You know, I think that's
1: even one of the strengths of it because it can because there are good things to say about the book. And oh, there I think, are definitely. I think the the fuzzy antagonists, that's something I kind of even like, is mm. what is the even even though I'm a big <coughs> fan of, of genres that tend to have a a very clear evil antagonist, like mm. Star Wars, for example, you know who the bad guy is. Emperor Pelpsy. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, I really like stories where it's kind of like who who who's the bad guy? And that's the way the Syrian conflict is. Like, who's the bad guy? Is it the rebels? Is it the government? Is it ISIS?
0: Is it the FSA?
1: They're they're all kind of the bad guys. And he does a good job of capturing the mm. the complicatedness of that of the situation.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, like I said, I mean, ISIS. We, we weren't even introduced to ISIS prior to the first plot point, and then it, it was almost. For me, you know, towards the end of the book, you know, there's this one character, Gary, and he's captured by ISIS, and all this stuff goes down, and that's he frames his his climax. Well, the entire book is supposed to be about showing the plight of these children in Syria, and the first plot point, the midpoint, the first and second pinch points, the 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 third plot point, which is supposed to be that, that catalyst, that catapult that forces you on that road where the bad guy and the good guy come to come to head, and the 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 climax of the story had nothing to do with what his intended mission was, which I think was probably what irritated me the most. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he said you no. Know, his concern was these kids, and he he wanted to get these kids. They're the orphans, and I mean, you know, on on a serious level, you know, the the conflict in Syria, the, the children are the innocent ones, and they are the ones uh, going um, that are being hurt the most. So I was very glad to see somebody put the children in that light, and I guess because he didn't talk about the kids as much. I mean sure there was that mm-hmm. one well, there's one scene where the where the child died and it was heartbreaking. Yeah. But I didn't know enough about the kid to really care. I mean yeah, kids die every day. But I didn't know enough about this particular kid to care more than I normally would when a kid dies.
1: Right. Which had to do with how the story was told, how it was presented mainly through the eyes of these two Americans. Mm-hmm. So there's the journalist Angus we talked about and an actor Jake that's along with him. Mm-hmm. And they're really the main driving force of the story. And there's, there's lots of other really interesting characters that pop up along the way, like the kid... Yeah, he,
0: he does a great job of the secondary characters. Yeah, I'll the secondary
1: characters are way more interesting than the primary characters.
0: Yeah, I mean, Angus just kind of irritates me. Like 95% of the of the book, he's pissed off, and I can't figure out why. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what his problem is. And then you finally find out, it's like, okay. Yeah, that was another problem
1: I had, the the big kind of... The big reveal. The the big reveal about what Angus's <clears throat> issue is, and... We won't tell it for the sake of too much spoiler, I guess. But um, we, We've
0: obviously spoiled enough, but yeah. we're not going to go into any, any more detail. But <laughs> like you said, I mean, it, it wasn't near... I know that what he did deal with was very hard, and he had a lot of frustrations in his life, and he blamed himself for the thing that created all this anger and resentment in his life, and I get that, but it was not, to me, in the story... I mean, it has, it has to do with uh, his alcoholism. He was a former alcoholic. And I understand, you know, he quit drinking after this, and it was a massive thing in his life. But frankly, I'd much rather re- read that story than the story of Angus in the Middle East, personally.
1: Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather
0: hear about his, battle, his bout with alcoholism and, and his, his deteriorated marriage, which is on the backstory. That, yeah. That's much more fascinating. Some of the
1: backstory was really interesting. than the way it got delivered, fortunately it didn't get delivered with just a big giant info dump at the beginning. Exactly. He did a, do a very good job of stringing along and dropping little tiny hints about mm-hmm. the, the alcohol he never used thing. the flashback
0: either. Right, yes. Because flashbacks are dangerous for new authors. They're they're very, very hard to do correctly.
1: He avoided a lot of common new author errors. But then when that big reveal happened, it was just kind of like Angus and Jake are talking. And for no real apparent reason, Angus is suddenly willing to open up and share this deep, dark secret from his past. And it just kind of like drops. There's nothing there. And they move on. And it was like. Never brought up again. I think that was supposed to really make me upset. It didn't. It it just kind of fell flat, which is kind of the the theme of the whole the whole thing. There's a lot of emotional potential there mm-hmm. that I think he was really going for, trying to hit home a really a lot of emotionally charged mm. subjects are in the are in the novel, but then it just the the execution just fell a little bit flat, and it didn't really grab me the way the way he wanted it to. But no. almost the better way to do it, like you said, the backstory. Angus's backstory it
0: was fascinating. He could have
1: written a novel with Angus's backstory and then have Angus be a supporting character mm-hmm. who kinda comes in and out of the story of some of yeah. the actual local Syrians, like the the one woman who she she was born Amala. in Syria, Amala. And then she went and got a medical degree or most in of a medical degree in Chicago before she went She was she in her residency it. when she yeah. came back to Syria. And then came back to Syria, yeah. She has a fascinating story. So I would have oh, loved yeah. to see you have a completely different novel about Angus's previous life. And then you've got Amala's story, and Angus is just kind of a supporting character mm-hmm. weaving in and out of there. And you, you know these things about him from
0: before, but yeah, now because he's not the main that, character. That would, that, that would be fantastic. That would do a much better job, I think, of, of showing the, the, the conflict in Syria of how these kids are being affected, how the families are being torn apart, uh, and it's in the eyes of a Syrian woman who loves her hometown yeah. and she wants to help and I, I really feel like that would be a much more interesting story I feel like I would give I, I did a blog post on uh, this on my, on my blog and I think I gave it 2.4 stars mm-hmm. total and I, I tried very very hard to give him a higher score but I just could not bring myself because there were certain parts you know the setting, I mean, he, he did a great job of showing what the setting was, but the same, you know, one of the things I like to see out of the setting is for the setting to become a character. You think Harry Potter and Hogwarts. I mean, Hogwarts is almost alive. I mean, from the staircases moving to the pictures being able to talk to one another, the setting is almost alive. It becomes a character in and of itself. And then by the climax of the entire series, you know, the, the castle's defending itself. In Syria, I know where they were. I know what was going on. He did a very good job of showing me uh, where the characters were at at certain times. So it did what settings were supposed to do. If you stripped all the flesh and sinew and ligaments away, if you took all the... and just left the skeleton, that's what his setting was. But it didn't resonate with me at all. I couldn't create a mental picture. Uh, I, I didn't have a mental map as to where they were at. I didn't know what was going on. Um, so, he could have done a better job there too. Uh, but, like I said in my post, I mean, I'd love to see him stick with it and keep writing because I, w- I want to see him mm-hmm. improve. And yeah. it, if, it, on the off chance that, that Todd ever hears this or reads my blog post, I want him to know that I think that he has a lot of potential. For sure. But he needs to, you know, he, I hope he'll take this as constructive criticism, which is something very hard for us to all take, I think. Mm-hmm. But if he can take it as constructive criticism and he, his writing would go from. Uh, a B-minus, C-plus level to definitely mid-grade A very, very quickly. And and that's what I want to see from him.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to be looking for for more books from him because, like I said, there's a lot of... I've read much, 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 much worse debut novels that... (laughs) So I. <laughs> just spew out all the backstory. they got to have a five-page prologue in the beginning mm-hmm. to spell out all of this. And, and, prologue,
0: and prologues are tricky beasts anyway.
1: Yeah, I almost always advise, when I'm doing ghostwriting stuff, I almost always advise clients or friends I know who are writing, get, get rid of the mm-hmm. prologue. You know, I, I had a prologue for my book that I ended up cutting. and <laughs> Actually, some of the stuff from that prologue is going to show up in this more fully developed story that I'm sending out. Which would be really cool. I'm, I'm, like, I'm,
0: I told you when we were discussing it months and months and months ago that I would love personally to see that prolog. Yeah. Not because it needs to be a part of the story, but I want to I enjoy the world that you wrote right. that much.
1: And enough people have said that to me that that's why I'm going back and I'm doing this prequel. I'm going to do another novel in mm-hmm. the same world with different characters and going on
0: with it. But Very cool. Well, like I said guys, Todd Tevelzani d- 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 I think that's how you say his name. Look him up. It's Looking into the Sun. Uh, check it out on Amazon. Uh, borrow it if you have Kindle Unlimited, or even support them even more and buy the book.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it is. It is worth buying. It's not. It's not a bad book. It's, just it's not, not what I'm going to read again. off amazing. Exactly. Yeah. It's not. But especially one thing that I, one great takeaway I wanted to share mm-hmm. is um, I know a lot about what's going on in Syria, mm-hmm. so I didn't learn much from this novel. I was looking for a. Uh, an experience of Syria from a first-hand account. But mm-hmm. if you don't really know what's going on, this is a great book to read for that. Oh, yeah. It's definitely he he understands, Todd understands the situation there. He's done, he's done a ton can. of research.
0: I mean, yeah. he, he, he he took his research and he definitely put it in, into play. And I, I was really glad to see that.
1: Yeah, so if you want to learn about the Syrian conflict but don't want to go back and read tons and tons of news articles or a nonfiction thing. You can get a good solid understanding of what's happening by reading this novel. That's Definitely. that's the best thing that I can say about it for sure. Because yeah. I do want people to
0: understand what's going on there, and this book helps with that. Definitely. So, check it out, guys. Buy it. You know, you know, re- borrow it from Kindle Unlimited and read the whole thing so that way he gets the full Kindle Unlimited pot. Um, check it out, guys, because you know and. and Best part about it is, you know, we had this podcast. You can read the book for yourself and you can tell us whether we were spot on. You can tell us where you agree with us or disagree with us. Or you can tell us we were completely stupid and wrong. That's what's great about these platforms. And we'd love to hear what you think. So we want to make this as interactive as possible. So check it out and then let us know what you think because we want to get some feedback on, on what we think as well. So,
1: yeah, and you can find us to, to do that. You can find us at Rambling Writers, and that's Rambling spelled with W R, writers. So it's ramblingwriters.wordpress.com is where we're at online right now. You can leave a comment on the post that this podcast will be attached to. You can send us an email through the contact page. I'll put up both of our individual Twitters up there. Do we want a
0: Twitter for the podcast? I don't know. I've, don't I've already got two. I've already, already got two. I'm overlooking right now myself. So unless you want to do it all yourself, no.
1: No. Okay. <laughs> so there's no, there's going to be no rambling. Writers we might do Twitter. a
0: Facebook page. But that's just because it's so simple and but easy that could to be do. Easier, but that's you can definitely easier. talk with talk with either
1: one of us. Hashtag it, rambling writers, or just mention rambling writers. We'll know what you're talking about. Yeah, let us know what you think. Definitely, if you read the book, we'd like to hear it.
0: Yeah, So, you know, the thing about the Syrian conflict that, you know, um, has really got me irritated And it really kind of bites my butt a little bit I'm... (sighs) Alright guys, to give you a little bit of background RF and I both come from very conservative, uh, very evangelical Christian backgrounds Um, I grew up in a Baptist church, I'm still currently a member of a Baptist church uh, R.F., you, you've been all over the map. Um, yeah, I call
1: myself a Baptopiscopalia Costal Tyrian, something like that.
0: Something like that. <laughs> um, we both uh, have done extensive studies in biblical studies. We've both, my, 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 the degree I pursued at Liberty University uh, was in biblical studies with a specialization in theology and apologetics. Um, yours was in intercultural studies. Um, which is also a religion Which major. is in the
1: school of religion yeah.
0: Exactly And so we both come from very Evangelical Christian backgrounds um, And we were both were I, I, For example I was the president Of the junior Republicans in Apomax County Once upon a time And there was very few political views That RF and I dis- disagreed on uh, Is that an accurate statement you think?
1: Yeah, I think politically we were probably pretty much on the same page. Yeah. Mostly because I just, like, swallowed whatever I was told when I was in high school politically. Yeah. I was just like,
0: woohoo George Bush! Exactly. Blow him up! Blow him blow up. <laughs> Tur- turn it into a glass factory was one that was, was a common phrase in my household when I was growing up. Um, today, neither one of us is a conservative, which is amusing when you think about it. You're a hippie. Basically, uh. yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm growing out my hair. You you, you voted Green Party, right? Yeah, I have voted Green Party for president, and and I voted. I've never voted for Republican for president ever, um, because I don't care for Barack Obama. I don't think he's glorifying Jesus at all, um, and I never could trust John McCain or Mitt Romney. So um, it, it's hilarious because now now RF is this this hardline liberal progressive hippie guy, and I'm over here as a libertarian. Um, I believe that the government should leave you alone and let you live your life. I believe that the
1: government should round you up, take away all your guns, and lock you in. No, just kidding. That's completely not true at all. <laughs>
0: <coughs> 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 that's only if you're white. Only if you're white. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, the, the inner-city gangs need to keep their guns. Um, no. Wow, that demon-expelling <laughs> cough you just did is, like, <laughs> all over the place on the recording.
1: Oh, I think it was your laugh, too, so I'm seeing that, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, so, apologies for your ears. I'll try to trim that down a little bit before I release this.
0: You have to understand, I, guys, if, if you don't know RF and I, I have a deep, deep belly laugh, so it's loud, and it's rambunctious. He also has
1: a deep, deep belly.
0: Yes, I, I, I am large. I am in shape, but that shape is round. Um, but anyway, back to... Great the, preview into the <laughs> the rambling nature of this yes, podcast. It's yes. starting
1: to come out a little bit for the first time, I
0: think. I think so, yeah. But <laughs> what I was getting at with the whole discussion... I'm, I'm a libertarian. The government should leave you alone. And, and RF is more along the lines of, you know, a little bit more progressive. Gun control is not such a bad thing. Whereas I completely disagree. If you don't want a gun, don't buy one. Um, but leave mine alone. Um... It's just amazing how we used to be here together, and now we've gone completely different directions politically. And And on the things we did
1: disagree on, we now agree on, or we either agree on, or or we've like flipped. Yeah, we're like now we have the opposite (laughs) position. I basically don't agree with anything that I would have said in high school. The high school version of me would think I was like a liberal heretic.
0: Who hates Jesus. Yeah, and wants to And wants to, you know, eat the souls of babies.
1: Yeah. Whereas the current version of me would think the high school of me was an obnoxious Idiot. jerk of a Bible thumper. So they're... they're we, we, we both were. My my Jekyll and Hydeness going on. Yeah. <laughs> we,
0: we both were like that. Um, but it's, it's the reason I bring this up, guys, is because we, we did mention that we were going to talk some politics mm-hmm. on this. I still don't
1: even know why I brought this up, so I'm leaning forward.
0: And, because yeah. I'm a libertarian. I, I, get the heck out of... We need to leave Syria alone. The U.S. needs to leave Syria alone. Okay? You realize we created ISIS, don't you? Oh, yeah. In more ways than one. Mm Mm-hmm. If we would leave the Middle East alone, we'd be fine. 9-11 never would have happened. Yep. And we wouldn't hate... And the majority of Americans would not hate Muslims. That would be nice, eh? It would be nice. Are you Canadian
1: now? I like to use A a lot. It's kind of
0: fun. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But you're going Canadian on me. But that's what I was getting at. And, And that... I'm trying to use this as a bit of a segue, and it's not working as well as I want, so I'm just going to go ahead and... I could tell you were trying to be really clever, and I was, I was it's
1: waiting not working. with great anticipation to see how you landed the clever plane, but...
0: It's not working very well. I think you well. just snapped off your front landing Trump. gear. <laughs> that's probably the most uh, in, in crea- uncreative segue ever, but Trump! Uncreative, brutish, rude, that's a good segue to Trump, actually. Yeah, good point, yeah. <laughs> so, guys... Uh, One of the things you're going to learn about us is that we both dislike Donald Trump. And not for the reasons you would think. Um, I dislike Donald Trump because he's a loud, obnoxious, misogynistic pig. Um, Which I think you'd probably agree with me on that. Yeah, that works. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with all of his political positions. I think I probably do. I definitely would say so. (laughs) Um, The idea of cutting taxes is not a bad thing in my ears, but he needs to cut spending as well. My dog is trying to knock over the microphone. That's the... Yeah, so okay. that, 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 was gonna be an, that was going to be an interesting uh, sound if it hit the floor. And I think it was an interesting sound that came out of me when I went to catch it. So, but yeah, we, we, we had said we were going to talk about politics a little bit, and so my question for you is, who in the world are you voting for? Because I haven't heard this from you yet.
1: I don't really have a clue. I'm not
0: voting for Trump.
1: I would have totally voted for Bernie Sanders, if you couldn't guess that already. I already knew that. But that's kind of out the window now.
0: Yeah, because he's endorsed Hillary.
1: Yeah, I don't he, think there's
0: there's he like he spent a, months talking how bad Hillary was, and now he's endorsing her, which makes absolutely no sense. He's just as corrupt as the rest of the establishment.
1: Yeah, that that didn't look so good. I don't um, trust the,
0: I don't trust the government at all. There's a very
1: very very small chance. Like there's a there's a slightly larger chance that I would vote for Hillary Clinton than for Donald Trump. Which is Oddly that? But both she's are out not the a completely for me. disgusting person in my opinion. Wait, I don't.
0: Did you hear what happened yesterday?
1: Yes, 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 I heard what happened. I don't even want to talk about all that crap. <laughs> it's just, I think it's gotten... We are not Rush Limbaugh. We are not Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, no, we don't need to get on the, the Hillary grill.
0: But the fact wagon. of the matter is, I mean, I think we both can agree that both major party candidates suck.
1: Yeah. you're you're Like you said, you're a libertarian.
0: Yes. So, so you I've talk got-
1: about Gary Johnson all the time. I do. And you post things like Feel the Johnson.
0: Which is hilarious. Which is just really weird. <laughs> Well, that's an actual Facebook page. I know, at first
1: you didn't know until I pointed it out, but then you keep hashtagging Feel the Johnson all over the place now.
0: (laughs) You're the one who pointed it out (laughs) to me. What'd you you expect? You awakened the beast.
1: Well, (laughs) I won't talk about Feeling the Johnson ever again. (laughs) It's the weirdest political, like, Feel the Burn, okay, that's, that's funny and creative. Feel the Johnson when he's this, like, old man? No, that's just, no. Disgusting. Well, Phil the
0: Burns the one who's the old guy. Gary Johnson's relatively young. Well, relative. By comparison.
1: He, he's old enough to for that hashtag to be disgusting. <laughs> put it that way. Uh, I would probably say the same thing if he was, you know, younger. So,
0: whatever. So, my question for you is, what is it going to take for you to join the Libertarian Wagon? Because we are awesome, you know. How much money you got? Uh, let me see what I got in my pocket. Hold on. I've got... I've got... I've got my wallet, which has got some cards in it. Do um, you take... Plastic?
1: Yeah, I can get set up for that. Okay, cool. All right, we'll,
0: we'll discuss the price later. Uh, two block, don't eat from the litter box. I said I didn't want to say that into a microphone. You didn't want to. I did. That's true. <laughs> Besides, we're ramblers.
1: That's what we do. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, now everybody knows my dog eats out of a litter box sometimes. That's, that's okay, cool. puppy. That'll make her sound a lot dumber than she really is.
0: <laughs> She's incredibly smart. What were we just talking about? Trump. 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 And me trying to buy Oh yeah,
1: you were trying to get me to join the Libertarian Party. Yes. I'm as far as joining the Libertarian Party, I don't think that's gonna happen.
0: I'm not a member either. Or
1: being like a a full
0: fledged It's America, it's a free country. You don't have to join a vote libertarian. Well yeah,
1: but as far as like you know, you're you're like whole Turkey, whole hog whole Turkey. Pretty sure I just made up a whole new southern thing I like it though You're like whole turkey into the libertarian thing like Yes And I, I don't see that happening There's too much I like We talked about it a little bit the other day Well I've, I've
0: lost all faith in the, in, the, in the grand old party So I'll never go back to, I mean up until last year I was a member of the Republican Party Even I disagree with a lot of it So you know it, 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 As far as I can see it was the best one But Let's, let's put it this way folks Donald Trump deserves a special place in hell next to used car salesmen and those who kick puppies for fun. And people who don't like Star Wars. Correct. So that is my political philosophy for the day. If you've supported Donald Trump, I'm not going to say kill yourself, but... Learn how to appreciate good fiction and start watching Star Wars. Exactly. That that sums it up nicely. By the way, if you haven't
1: seen the video where they overdub actual Donald Trump quotes to scenes from episode four, A New Hope, make Palpatine? Of Darth Vader
0: oh it's hilarious it's I've ever. seen it we should try and find that on YouTube fabulous we, that that was a little bit <laughs> frightening
1: my, my very weak effort at a Donald Trump impersonation you couldn't see the hand gestures so it didn't have the same effect
0: but, but it was frightening all the same <laughs>
1: Josh is gonna have nightmares for weeks or maybe even years.
0: Probably the rest of my life. Um,
1: Okay, we had something else to talk about. Trump is evil. We covered that. Yes. Everybody knew that already, though. That wasn't too helpful.
0: Except for those who don't. Because they're... they're,
1: Yeah. But, you know, you're not going to change anybody's mind by rambling at them. This is true. That's why I write books. I'll change their mind that way. Fiction, specifically.
0: Well, fiction is much more effective at changing worldviews and perspectives than nonfiction. I think. Mostly because you don't even realize it's happening. Exactly. I mean... Let's call a spade a spade, guys. I mean, I, I can write out a long list, a laundry list, really. Like, documentarian Ken Burns, I saw it was tw- trending on Facebook yesterday, and he was talking about how it's so shocking that evangelicals, which is the group that we both come from, um, it, it's shocking how evangelicals have so much gotten behind Donald Trump, and yet he publicly talks about how he would sleep with his own daughter if she wasn't his daughter, and he makes disgusting remarks about women in general and... and that's not very much like Jesus. No. I, I can't help but wonder what Jesus would say to Donald Trump.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it, it, what,
0: what, what do you if if you could imagine knowing what we know about Jesus, what would do you see that? How do you see that exchange going down? Um. You know, honestly, it might be a little bit
1: different than than what you you think at first, because I think okay. initially you think, oh, yeah, hey, we would just like rant and, and rail at him. And, he wouldn't
0: do that, I don't know. And,
1: and like, or like a Pharisee, kind of like... Because that was even the first thing that popped in my head, is, oh, I think it would be exactly like he talked to the Pharisees. But, you know, I don't think he really would, because Donald Trump is not a religious person.
0: No, those are really is.
1: the only people that Jesus ever really, like, went after. Mm-hmm. Were, like, the, the hardcore religious people. the The evangelicals of America, basically. Would be the ones he would have the harshest words for. I don't know exactly what he would say to Trump.
0: Well, uh, but w- let's, let's do an experiment here. We don't want to ramble. We're, we're ramblers. That's what we're going to do. We're going to do an experiment. You're going to role-play the role of Jesus. And I'm going to role-play the role of Donald Trump. This is something we haven't discussed doing. And this is I- something
1: I'm not even sure that I'm going to do, even <laughs> Josh is looking at me with his mischievous glint in his eye.
0: And basically, I'm going to talk to you the way I think Donald Trump would talk to Jesus. And then you're going to do your best Jesus impersonation of responding to it.
1: See, I don't even know if I can swing that though because I'm pretty sure Jesus's response would be this like awesome story and I'm still not good enough to just like pop those out. I have to like sit and slay for months and months to make <laughs> a story that even comes close to <coughs> communicating truth at that level. So I I think I think that's my answer though. Yeah. Is that it would be he would t- he would tell Trump would rant and Rave and however exactly he would talk to you. Hate the
0: Mexicans, hate the Muslims, hate them all, people. Something like this. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at doing a New York accent. That's, that's pretty
1: bad. You didn't even get the hand gestures right. I mean, they're pretty easy. It's
0: I have very large hands.
1: <laughs> that is. That's more, Donald Trump, though. More than enough genital jokes for today. So we had a writing <laughs> tip to talk about. We did. And we're going to we? go on to that now because.
0: Because we are. We're both gonna end up saying very mean things about Donald Trump. We don't want this to be purely political.
1: Yeah, and something that's something that I've kind of felt motivated to, to change lately is I don't want to say bad things about Donald Trump as an individual. I
0: don't know. I don't him. know him as an individual. I don't know him. But his ideas
1: suck. That that's that's where I that's where I wanna stay, though in less shrilly. Yeah, than, than that, but like I, I don't like his his policies and his ideas.
0: Well, when you figure that I have a very he, deep voice naturally, and then it gets all shrill, that just tells you how frustrated I am with the with the state of American politics today.
1: Yeah, when Josh sounds like a twelve year old boy
0: or girl, even worse,
1: or or girl.
0: Not to be misogynistic, but it's like if, if a grown man sounds like a woman or a young girl, that's a problem. I'm trying to come up
1: with some kind of like clever clip <laughs> about. Donald Trump turning you into a woman, but it's not quite formulating. So, we're going to talk so about the importance anyway. of a universal story, universal storytelling. Yes. I am a genre writer all the way. Speculative fiction. My novel's Alternate History. If you sign up for that email list, I'm sending out the Alternate History story and a fantasy um, serial That's the Sam O'K as well. K Chronicles, right? Yeah, the Sam OK Chronicles. You can read about that some of my website. I've actually never read any of it. And sign up. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you like it or not. You say you like fantasy. I, but
0: I, I grew up in Harry Potter, which is technically fantasy.
1: So when you say you like fantasy, you mean like Harry
0: Potter. I don't... I mean, I, I'm, much, I'm much more... Prefer- if I'm going to read a fantasy novel, like I recently read uh, a uh, portal fantasy called Dreambreaker. I mean, not Dreambreaker. Dreambreaker is the sequel that she's working on now. But uh, uh, Dreamlander. It's a portal fantasy, this guy, the premise is when you go to sleep, you wake up in this alternate world. And when you go to sleep in that world, you wake up in this world. Oh. It's a very, very fascinating she, story.
1: I know where, she, well, I won't say she stole that idea from Ted Decker, but Ted Decker used that idea to wonderful effect in the Circle Trilogy.
0: I highly doubt she stole it, but I've never read the Circle Trilogy, so I can't be sure. But it, 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 was, it was something I've, I've discussed for years with random people. Just, you know, hey, you know, like, like for example, just to give you, an, give you an idea of how my mind works. RF knows this, you guys are about to be frightened for the rest of your life. My mind works in mysterious ways. And I personally believe that we're all colorblind, literally. For example, this microphone that I'm speaking into right now is black. The only way I know that that is black is because I have been taught that when I look at something and it has that color, it is black. But how do I know that when you look at that microphone, you're not seeing what I would call blue, because your eyes are different, and there's no way to prove that I'm right or wrong on that. Perception creates reality. Correct.
1: You should read this series. I'm reaching over to my bookcase. And pulling out the skin map, which is the first book in Stephen R. Lawhead's A Bright Empire's novel. Also okay. deals with alternate realities. And they just had this two characters had this awesome conversation about perception causing reality. I'm reading in the the fourth book now, The Shadow Lamp.
0: Well they say that possession is nine tenths of the law. Well, perception is nine tenths of reality. I've yeah, always I said
1: that. I think I said that on social media at one
0: point. Maybe you did. I can't remember. It's probably before I had Facebook.
1: No, it wasn't that long ago.
0: Oh, okay, well, I didn't see. Because that
1: ties into the the themes of a lot of my writing, including yeah. the other side of hope, perception, how you see things. Perce- I might have said perspective instead of perception. It,
0: I, I think I was on Twitter. I think.
1: Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of one of those one of those things.
0: <coughs> but anyway,
1: what were we talking about? The importance of universal fiction. Yes, yeah, universal that's where fiction. I started. Because I'm I'm a genre writer, speculative fiction of various types is what yeah. I what I always do. And, writing and you, in the real world. Fantasy. We yeah. mentioned.
0: Ha- I, I like certain types of fantasy, but it has to be grounded in reality to a way. For example, I'm not I'm about to commit literary, literary fantasy. What? Don't say it. Say what?
1: You're going to say you don't like The Lord of the Rings, aren't you? I, not anymore. Okay, good. <laughs> Moving on, um, but no, you don't, don't 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 even. Don't even you've already not, are like only semi-tolerate Star Wars. So you can't even make it. Anymore. Not
0: because I dislike the, not because I don't respect the amount of work he put in Lord of the Rings, but because it's not grounded enough in reality for me. I much prefer C.S. Lewis, as as a fantastical storyteller. Yes, talking animals are way more
1: realistic than short guys with beards and mm-hmm. tall ones with pointy ears. <laughs>
0: no, what I mean is, is I've watched the movies. I, I, I'm committing a literary sin right now. I'm committing the cardinal sin of, of literature. I've tried to read Lord of the Rings. I've, I've attempted to. But you're not, a
1: horrible human being and couldn't succeed.
0: Exactly, I could not succeed. Therefore, I am a terrible human. Please don't hunt me down and kill me. Um, but. The physics and the, the way the world works, and, and the base desires of of humanity, which in Narnia is the talking animals, um, the base desires and, and and the way people interact with one another. That's why I, that's why I read fiction. I, I enjoy interpersonal, you know, relationships. And I, I personally believe that if it's got to have, I was saying this to you before we got, went on on the mic, that I personally feel that if you've got to have tasers, phasers, lasers, blazers. Kaisers, Zazers, or whatever else, and elves to make your book make sense and be a good story. I'm sorry, it's not a good story because it's too reliant on the trappings of your genre. Um, I, I personally think that if you can't tell the same story in, in multiple genres, you know. For example, we we talked about you know, your your sophomore novel, you know, and you mentioned how you thought that you were trying to try and go with a fantastical setting, but it makes more sense to fit it inside an alternate history. I think that you had the talent and the ability to do it in either one. Oh yeah. But you're just in that alternate history mindset, and it's, it's easier for you to get it cranked out and done that way. Um,
1: Actually, I developed a whole lot of the backstory and history for it to be sci-fi, and then just kind of been like, "Yeah, let's I like make it alternate it. history.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's my point. You, the fact that you can do that so easily and change it shows that there is a timelessness. There is a... Uh, the, the theme will be very poignant. It'll be very pointed. Um and, and that's what we are, I mean, all writers I mean, sure, some writers write for the heck of writing But I think we all write To, to put a message out there and Even if
1: you don't know what it is I think that's true, yeah Definitely
0: And and, and for me, I, I use writing as a way of self-exploration And, and you know, not, not just self-expression But self-exploration to, to learn more about myself Because I see a lot of myself in my characters Even if I don't at first You know, I mean, I, I wrote a, a Ghostwriter novel, you know, about a guy who's a cop I'm not a cop I grew up a son of a cop, but I'm not a cop. And he, he's diagnosed with this son disease. A cop. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> but, you know, he, he's diagnosed with, with uh, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. And if you don't know what that is, it's ALS, or commonly known as Lou Gehrig's disease, and he's dying. And the way he deals with it, I feel like, I didn't plan for him to react the way he did, but I do feel like the way he acted throughout the time that he was dying. And, you know, there's a big, huge scientific, sci-fi reason why he didn't die but you know the fact is is that the way he reacted while he was dying and while he was in the hospital being pumped full of fluids and trying to keep him alive I feel like the way he looked at the world and the way he dealt with things even though it wasn't necessarily positive is very similar to how I would react in that same situation and I feel like the universal story is a is, a, is an exercise that we all need to work on. Because I could have very easily told the same story in a fantastical setting. I could have very easily told the same story in a western, or a romance. Or the, the trappings of the various genres are, are almost like dressing. They're almost like the icing on the cake. Whereas the story, the universality of the story, I think universality isn't even a word. Maybe. But that's the actual cake. That's what you're getting now sure everybody loves the icing and people love sci-fi, people love fantasy people love dystopia and you look for certain things in those genres but the actual cake the actual meat and potatoes of the story is not reliant on lasers or talking animals or witchcraft and wizardry or um, you know, some oligarch who doesn't have the people in his best you know, some monarch or tyrant who doesn't have the people's best interest at heart um, I feel like we could have we could have read the Hunger Games trilogy, or Divergent, or The Other Side of Hope, and almost any kind of world, and the universality of the story would still remain, because the story is the reason why we write, and I feel like we all should strive for that. And if and if we have to have if oh I'm stuck in this at this point, let me throw a laser in there. If you have to do that, well, guys. Take a step back and look at the story, because there's a problem with the story, not with the with the genre, but the setting. I feel like. So, what, what is your opinion on all that rambling I just did? Sci-fi
1: is still awesome.
0: Some of it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, Some of it is,
1: I, yeah. I definitely, I definitely agree with you that. Cause I I don't even though I only write speculative fiction of one type or another I don't exclusively watch that like my my favorite TV show like mm. there's some great sci-fi and fantasy TV shows I like a lot and I'm it's really like in I'm really into um all of the uh, the superhero shows because mm. I'm a nerd so like getting to watch Daredevil Agents of Shield and then jumping over to DC for Flash and Arrow and like all these mm. guys on TV is fantastic and I love Lost and all these different Fantasy, fringe, sci-fi, well, all these different d- 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 things. You a great but, example. but see, go this ahead. is what I'm leading up to. My favorite TV show ever is House. Yeah. Completely not sci-fi, nothing speculative at all. Well, another example. But it's the, it's awesome. The,
0: the one I go back to is uh, I, I was always a Marvel comic guy coming up. There was very little in DC that DC had to offer me. I yeah. felt like, except for Batman. Yeah. I love Batman. All right, but the Batman movies, especially like the ones like, I think it was George Clooney were in them. back oh. when we were kids, and they no. were terrible. Those, those don't exist. They shouldn't. I
1: know what you're getting at. But no, those, those, those don't exist. Well, we don't talk about those.
0: RF has taken the time out of his busy life to make sure he deletes the mental records of those movies. Just humor him. Those don't exist. There may or may not be one on a
1: VHS upstairs in this house, but they do not exist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But my point is, have you seen the Christopher Nolan ones? Oh, yeah. Much, much better. Because the story is what matters in those. It's not about, oh, it's Batman versus Poison Ivy, or it's Batman versus the Joker. No, it's it's, it's the story of this guy who's struggling to make a difference. It's not about the Batman. Bat suit or the Bat car, yeah, it adds to the story and it's fun and it's exciting. But the the, the struggle of Bruce Wayne is one that is universal, and the, the the ones from the early '90s when we were kids don't do a very good job, I feel, of explain, of showing that. I mean, I feel like Bruce Wayne, yeah, sure, he's 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 a classic basic basket case. But, mm-hmm. but he 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 has his his virtues. He has a, he has this desire for justice. He wants to see Gotham improve and become a better place, and and that that it could be a it could be a crime thriller. It could be a a story set as a romance. I mean, there's obviously romantic elements in with with Rachel and all that. But you know, the fact is, you know, if we focus more on a Bruce Wayne type character who is this billionaire whatever he's pumping money back into his city and trying and he's fighting to improve it or if he puts on the the, the mask of the Dark Knight and he goes out and kicks bad guys butts all night you know either way it's the universal story of one man trying to make a difference
1: and I think you're getting to something that we can kind of like ground this into a more concrete writing tip because so we're just kind of yeah. oh make, make it a universal story it, yeah, and it, if it, you don't know what we're talking about all the rambling in the world is still leave you like huh what but I think the way to do that is to make it character-focused and Mm character-driven. Spend more time on your characters than your world. Especially when you get into the speculative genres where there's a lot of world-building involved, Mm -hmm. there's a real temptation to go, and that's why writers (coughs) want to do these big prologues and -hmm. stuff like that, is because they put all this work into building this whole big world that's the backdrop, Mm -hmm. which is very important, and you have to do it. And then they're like, now everybody has to know this. But they don't. No, they don't. And then their whole novel just becomes Crap. an exposition of their backstory. But you want to do You need all of that backstory. Have, I have pages and pages and pages mm-hmm. and gigabytes of backstory when I go to, well, to write well, something. Well, One of
0: the things, I, I mentioned Dreamlander, and and I'm a huge fan of K.M. Um Especially for her uh, writing craft books, outlining and structuring your novel. I love those books. They, they've helped me develop some skills I didn't per- have previously, which you know consider how long I've been writing is a huge thing. I've never been a big outliner. I've always been a pantser all the way. But now I can actually kind of sate that that desire to be a pantser and and pants my outline. You know, instead of flying by the seat of my pants, I'm actually doing that as I'm outlining and it's a lot more fun because the way she breaks it down the book do what works for you and and it is, and she's given and she gives tools and tricks and stuff to help do that. And it's definitely made it a lot easier for me to 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 do my you know, ghostwriting stuff for my clients. And it's it's I'm actually in the outlining stage of my novel that I'm working on. This is going to be my first novel. And I'm, I'm I mentioned the narrative nonfiction, which is a working title the Power of One. I'm in the structuring stage of that. I've got all this stuff together. I'm in the stage where I'm saying, Okay, I want this here, this here, this here, oh this okay, this doesn't work right here, I'm gonna put it right here. So it'll allow me to just kind of flow with the story. I mean I can do ten to fifteen thousand words a day, but if I'm pantsing, I've got to sit here and plan it as I go, it doesn't work. So, you know, that uh, I feel like if if you focus on... I think you're right. Focusing on characters, I think, is probably the best way to do that. Because, char- I mean, all story is the story of primarily, frankly, two people interacting with one another. You have one guy who has a, who has a set of goals. And you have a second guy who has a set of goals. And for one reason or another, the those two characters, their goals are going to intersect. They're going to collide. And they're going to foil one another. Obviously, the protagonist is the one that we follow the most. The antagonist is the guy who's not necessarily even a bad guy. He just has a different set of goals, for whatever reason, and they butt heads because of it. And and that interaction is, is the theme, is the universality of a story. Yeah. And if we focus on that, I mean, obviously, plotting is great. Plotting is good. It's it's the framework for which our characters you know, interact with one another. But if we focus on that interactive level it, it definitely resonates a whole lot more I feel like because mm-hmm. in your book Hamid and Ethan or however you say his name in, in yeah, Lackawande <laughs> Ethan Ethan Hamid and, and and Lethan, they interact with one another throughout the entire story they don't know it but yeah. they're, they're interacting with one another and then when the climax comes and, and, and they had that final showdown moment between the two of them and that I'll be honest, I feel like you handled that very, very well. I was highly impressed with what you did, because I, I couldn't have done it better myself. I couldn't have said it better myself. I couldn't have said what I wanted to see any better. You, you It's like you took what I wanted to see out of my head and put it on paper. And That's the goal. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's like these two guys, they hate each other, and they have all the reason in the world to hate each other, but then...
1: Jesus. That scene was really, really hard to write because that I was the it. scene that the whole novel was written for. That was the original mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. So how to how to how to get those guys together and have them go from hitting each other
0: and very justifiably so. And
1: to and to, to make that all flow in a way that wasn't wait, just like you, wait, wait a minute they just hated each other why do they suddenly not that it was really well, hard. Before- Ethan's dad. And, it takes and, chapters. It's just this one conversation, but it's spread out over, like, five mm-hmm. chapters. It takes a long time.
0: Yeah. It, 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 I, I, I honestly... Go read say, the book if you want to see it. I can honestly say it was one of my favorite climaxes I've ever seen. I mean, the only, the only one that I think in, in my writing, or in my reading of life, I feel like there's only maybe one or two, or maybe three that beat it, in terms of that, that final point that... It's like, They they were based off series. In fact, I'll go ahead and say it. The Harry Potter series climax was phenomenal, and I I know you're not a big Harry Potter guy, but that's okay.
1: Yeah.
0: And and no, Suzanne Collins with the Hunger Games, that that climax was it was. She spent three books sharpening it to a point, and then she wasn't afraid to drive it home. And the same thing with, with J.K. Rowling and, and the Harry Potter series. And, and the same thing with you and the other side of hope. You spent chapters and chapters getting that, that message. And, and just, you start with this wedge that's five miles apart. Or, and actually half a world away, these two characters are half a world away from each other. And the next thing you know, they're they're side by side. They've been side by side throughout the story. They just don't know it. Yeah. They're, they're the exact same character, just with different points of view. And it, it's phenomenal. And. Yeah. Kudos.
1: Well, thanks for the the plug. And we can go ahead and (laughs) probably wrap up. So, let's see. Looking into the sun. Read it. Especially if you want to learn more about Syria. What else did we talk about? It's hard to set up emails. Yeah. We didn't really talk about that very much, though. We didn't really talk about it.
0: Honestly, guys, I'm I'm, I'm technically stupid. RF here is the one who's... Technically stupid. I'm... (laughs) <laughs> technically he's stupid I'm stupid when it comes to technology is what I mean to say um, that's why RF was handling all the, the hosting and finding out how to post this, this podcast online because I'm an idiot and don't know how to do it myself um, and I don't know much but I guess I know more than the idiot so, <laughs> <laughs> so you're not a complete <laughs> idiot you're not an ignoramus like I am uh, We, but basically like I said we talked about looking in the sun, read it guys, check it out uh, let us know what you think you know, if, if you completely agree with us or not check it out uh, let us know what you think. Uh, emails, either read a book or don't jump headfirst and do it before you know something, or hire somebody to do it. That's that's what my biggest advice would be to do. I, that whole thing sucks. <laughs> um, and don't vote for Trump. Vote for Gary Johnson, Bill Weld. This message is not approved by any candidate or candidate's committee. This is just my opinion. Um,
1: and write universal stories by focusing on... Characters. Characters.
0: And... Make sure you sign up for uh, RF's um, mail list, especially if you've liked hearing anything that I've the, the plug that he mentioned the plug I gave to his novel. I personally am very excited for the first email to come out for the backstory because I, I told you then I wanted to read it. Um, it's gonna be good.
1: There's sword fighting in this one. There's no
0: sword fighting in the novel. Mind blown.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, medieval and stuff. So, oh, yeah, well,
0: it makes sense. I There's mean,
1: gun fighting in the novel, but no swords. Yeah. But yeah, check that out.
0: And uh, like I said... on the lookout
1: for Josh's books. Which will be coming.
0: I'm pretty rapid fire here. I'm planning on having one in the next two or three weeks after I get a cover made for that one, so it's ready to go. Um, I just got to get that one done. I'm in the structuring stage of uh, the power of one narrative nonfiction that I've got. I'm still outlining Stockholm Syndrome. You'll hear about those here.
1: And you're joshdaviswriter.wordpress.com. That's correct. That's where you're at. I'm at DunhamWriter.com. Together, we are at ramblingwriters.wordpress.com.
0: You can find us there. Yeah, we're both on Twitter. In fact, just to save ourselves a lot of time, I would say just go go to our WordPress site. If you're interested in finding out about our Twitter and Facebook, um, I I could spend, I probably spend five minutes every time I do a video on YouTube. Plug in. Yeah, my various no. things. I'm not going to do that this time.
1: The website is the hub. Go to the website, check it out. You can find links to our individual yes. websites for podcast website.
0: If you've written a book or if you're thinking about writing a book, contact me because we're looking for we're, we're always looking for new talent. Oh, by the way, are you going to write in the short story con? No, you're judging. Crap. No, you are right. having to judge it. That's right. Davis Publishing Company Quarterly Fiction Contest. The deadline is June the as tw- July the 29th. Um, we're looking for more submissions. Uh, I'll be judging it. My, my, my lovely wife, Patricia, will be judging it. Uh, RF will be judging it. I mentioned Katie, uh, KM Wyland. Katie has agreed to be a guest judge. Um, she'll actually be picking the winner. So basically, everybody else who's judging will narrow it down to five books or five short stories for her to read, and she'll pick the, she'll rank the final hmm. five, and that's how we're going to award the cash prizes. Um, and Thomas Hill of Lampus Books, uh, based out of Boulder, Colorado, uh, Thomas has agreed to come in as, a, as a guest judge. He deals exclusively in uh, author coaching. Uh, he's a, he, can, he considers himself a literary talent scout. They, they basically take manuscripts and they help authors make them better. They, they take a select few and get them in touch with agents and publishing companies. So we're really excited to have him on board with the uh, contest. So if you want more information about that, go to davispublishingco.com. Uh, again, that's davispublishingco.com, and click the writing contests tab. Um, you can read more about myself. About art, you're on there. No, oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot. To, uh, yeah, yeah, you're still. No, on I knew there. about that. Yeah, you're still on there. I think I knew about um, that. And you can also read uh, information about you know, my upcoming titles. Uh, I think we're you and I are gonna be writing something together soon. We we'll haven't Yeah, we haven't done it yet. Um, but that's going to be the hub for any news about uh, really about any books that my company's publishing so check that out and if you've published go to Make Money as a Writer uh, go to com slash self-publish and we have the, the easily have you have you you've seen our website?
1: Mm-hmm
0: easily the best self-publishing pro-
1: yeah if you, if you want to do the have some pay somebody to get all your book put yeah. together you don't want to deal with all of the the headache the blah of that because it is a lot of blah you can Hey Josh, and you can make it happen for you, and you can pay him a lot less than most other places. By a lot less, I think. Get I, it done.
0: I did the math. I think you know your your average company charges a minimum for for, for what we offer, about five thousand dollars for what we offer, and we charge 650. And not six fifty. And that six dollars is a six hundred fifty dollars. So we're talking <laughs> six
1: fifty. <650. laughs> yeah.
0: Um. And it's 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 fourteen hundred dollars worth of stuff you get for six hundred fifty bucks. And you, you can't beat that deal. I mean, I've got people in Puerto Rico and Louisiana and everywhere contacting me saying, hey, you know, I want to publish with you because you get the best deal on the market. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I built it that way. <laughs> and we're so, definitely devolving
1: into rambling all over the place now.
0: So we'll go ahead and wrap it up. So this has been Josh and RF Dunham. And we are the, the Rambling Penny Riders. The writers. Peace, guys. Right on.